The Bible Project, free of charge, tremendous videos, bibleproject.com. Sounds like an advertisement, doesn't it? It's really great what they are able to put out, and I'm always grateful for Tim Mackey and the others that work with him. The gospel, the video stops with, is the best news you've ever heard. Tim Keller says that the gospel is not just the ABCs of the Christian life. It is the A to Z of the Christian life. And, and he says we must continually return to the gospel to work it in so that we can live it out. And, and that's why Martin Luther, the great reformer, said the truth of the gospel is the principal article of all Christian doctrine. Most necessary is it that we know this article well, teach it to others, and beat it into their heads continually. That Martin Luther had a way with words, didn't he? I think I found my marching orders. Uh, that's what we're going to do over the next few months as we look um, at the gospel and we beat it into our heads just a little bit more and how we see that the gospel is what is designed to shape our own lives and our families and our small groups and our church community, that we're to be shaped by the gospel of the kingdom. Like we saw in the video, uh, the word gospel is the Hebrew word beser and it is, uh, it is equated or equivalent to euangelion, which is the Greek word found in the Septuagint of the Old Testament, but also the Greek New Testament. It means, as the video said, good news or announcement of great joy. Remember when the angel announced to the shepherds the birth of Jesus? What did he say? Well, the first thing he said was, don't be afraid. <laughs> because anytime an angel shows up, that's what you do. You just get scared almost every time. In fact, I would dare say every time an angel shows up, the shock and the fear. So he, they have to say, fear not, it's okay. And then he says, behold, I bring you good news, euangelion. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people's. Good news. When you think about the gospel, you oftentimes just think of the four first books of the New Testament. We, we call them gospels, right? The gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Luke, the gospel of John. And they together cohesively tell this amazingly multidimensional story of the life and the teachings of Jesus. But you're going to find the good news, the gospel, woven throughout Scripture, even in the Old Testament. Like in Isaiah 40, verse 9, Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news, bezer, the same word that was in the video. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news, Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. And then later in Isaiah 61, one of the most famous passages that's actually uh, quoted by Jesus when he's beginning his ministry. And we have it on the banner that's right over there. 
He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. He continues, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This is describing what we often like to call the divine exchange, where God takes what is ours that has been sullied and ruined and, and, and contaminated and, and led because of sin. He takes all of that upon himself, though he didn't deserve any of that. And he gives to us all of his divine qualities and all of his divine provision, not that we deserve that. The gospel is saying to us, though what you have makes you deserve a certain thing, God will take that and give you what only he can provide. Gospel is not just found in the four gospels. It's, it's woven throughout the fabric of scripture. But in all of these places, we need to remember this, and I, I want you to hear me here. We need to remember that the gospel is not good advice. The gospel is good news. You hear me again. The gospel is not good advice. It is good news. I have to confess to you that I used to be a news junkie. I know, confession is good for the soul. I used to really enjoy news. I used to watch it probably more than I should have, but I will also confess to you I don't do that anymore. I don't watch the news. I don't watch network news very much. I certainly don't watch cable news uh, because they don't report the news. They give you advice. They, they give you advice. They push agendas. They offer opinions. They are no longer reporters. They are activists or they are pundits. News is what has already happened, not what you want to have happen. News is something that has already happened, and that's what has happened with the good news. The good news of the kingdom has already happened. It's not something that we do. It's something that's been done for us. The good news is telling us of something that has happened that now changes the experience of our lives. It changes our whole life. It comes down from above. It works its way into our hearts and works its way out of our lives. And now we can live in a new and glorious way under the reign and rule of Jesus Christ, our King. That is the gospel of the kingdom. It's news. We're called to respond to it, not prove it, or not work for it, or not try to earn it. We're called to receive it. You don't work to get news, you just receive the news. And when it's good news, it should be 
really easy to receive. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John 3, it's a fascinating story. Nicodemus is a religious leader. He is one of the Sanhedrin. He's a Pharisee. He actually becomes a follower of Jesus. He's one of the two religious leaders, the other being Joseph of Arimathea, who asked Pilate for the body of Jesus after he has died on the cross. And Nicodemus is searching out for truth. He's wanting, he's wanting something. He's being drawn, I believe, by the Holy Spirit. And so he seeks out the Lord, no doubt in some dark alley somewhere because he doesn't want to be seen with Jesus. He's still trying to figure this out. And, and so he doesn't want anybody to know that he's actually you know, lurking around talking to this Messiah figure but he, he says to Jesus some really insightful things. But Jesus says to him one of the most profound things. He said, Nicodemus, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, you must be born again. Born again. And this blows Nicodemus' mind. It baffles him. It, he doesn't understand. His, 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 how is this possible? I, I'm an old man. Do you expect me to climb back into my mother's womb? I mean, what do you think she's going to think about that? I think it was probably enough for her to deliver me one time, much less two. Is she even alive? What do you mean born again? Of course, it was beyond his comprehension. It was something that humanly, it was humanly impossible to understand. It was nothing short of a miracle. And let me say to you, for anyone who is born again, if you have been born again into the kingdom of God, you're a miracle. You're a miracle. You have received the miracle, mercy, power of God to take you out of darkness and bring you into life. To bring you out of death and bring you into life. He does a miracle and you have new life. Jesus, of course, requires faith and surrender for anyone who is born again. But it's just like natural birth. Being born of the Spirit is not something that we ourselves accomplish. You didn't do anything to be born. You were pretty helpless when you were born. As an infant, that's a process that you're just there. You, you might can hold, well, I don't even know. This is getting dangerous. My wife used to be a labor delivery nurse. I should let her talk about right now. But I just know this, as the one being birthed, you do very little in the process of that happening. Your parents had a whole lot to do with it. Those that assist your mother with you being born have a whole lot to do with it. You don't have much to do with it. And it's the same way with being born again. The Lord has to do something for this to happen. Yes, we have to have faith. Yes, we surrender our lives. But it is what he does that makes us born again. Tim Keller says, the gospel is not about choosing to follow advice. It's about being called to follow a king. Not just someone with the power and authority to tell you what needs to be done, but someone with the power and authority to do what needs to be done and then to offer it to you as good news. The more we understand this, the more we realize that the gospel 
is not about what we do for him. It's about what he did for us. And it's also not just about me and my personal peace and happiness. I really do matter to God. That's true. You do too. But I'm not the only thing that God cares about. There are so many more and other things that God cares about that matter to him. I can't just let it start and end with me. While the gospel of the kingdom involves my personal salvation, it also goes way beyond that. And that's why the apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesian church saying this, in him, Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Now that sounds like salvation to me. That, that's great. That's what he does for us to bring us into new life. But then verse 9 goes on. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. To do what? To unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. We're not only redeemed and forgiven and lavished with wisdom and insight. We're also included in a mystery of his will that there's more that he wants. That he is after more. That he has a plan for the fullness of time. And that is to bring all things in heaven and on earth under the authority of Jesus. That is a more full expression of the gospel of the kingdom. Do you see how big it is? You see, it's more than just Jesus died for me and, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm loved by God. and It's all about me, 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 me. No, it's all about the world that God came to save. You're a part of that. That's great. But it's so much more than just you. And it's why over and over again, Jesus reveals his kingdom to be at the heart of the gospel. In fact, he starts his ministry this way. In Matthew 4, it says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Jesus' message was the gospel, the good news, the euangelion of the kingdom. After his own baptism, he's led into, into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days and he's tempted by Satan and he overcomes victorious and then he's brought out of the wilderness and he picks first four disciples. And then the first thing that he does is what we just read in Matthew 4. He goes everywhere throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. But it doesn't stop there. Towards the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, this is what he says to his disciples. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, same message, same gospel, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom is how it started and before it all ends, this same gospel will be proclaimed to the whole world as a testimony to every single nation. 
Like the Bible Project video ended its, uh, its little monologue. It said, he said, this good news is not easy to believe. It actually sounds kind of crazy. <laughs> it's true. But something happens when people tell the story of Jesus and start living like he is really the king of the whole world. Something happens. Justin Taylor calls it the mega narrative. And that's different than what postmodernists might call a meta narrative. For postmodernists, the gospel is seen as a meta narrative, which is something viewed with mistrust and skepticism because it's seen as a dispensable myth, even though it might provide certain uh, guardrails for how society should be run. But the gospel of the kingdom is not a meta narrative, something that is a myth that should be deconstructed. The gospel is a mega narrative. Michael Horton writes about this. He says, meta narratives give rise to ideologies which claim the world's allegiance, even if necessary, through violence. But the heart of the Christian narrative is the gospel. The good news concerning God's saving love and mercy in Jesus Christ. It is the story that interprets all other stories. And the lead character is the Lord over all other lords. I love that. Horton shows how the gospel mega narrative is a counter drama to all the meta narratives of this passing age. And he goes on to write, it speaks of the triune God who existed eternally before creation and of ourselves as characters in his unfolding plot. Created in God's image yet fallen into sin, we have our identity shaped by the movement of this dramatic story from promise to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. This drama also has its powerful props such as preaching and baptism and the supper, the means by which we are all no longer spectators but are actually included in the cast. Having exchanged our rags for the riches of Christ's righteousness, we now find our identity in Christ. We've been invited, we've been invited into God's mega narrative, into his story, where our lives are being shaped by his gospel, how the son of God came to earth, not simply to make us respectable, but to make us his family, to redeem us by his sinless life and his death on the cross into a kingdom which is inaugurated through his resurrection from the dead and where one day very, very soon he will return to usher in a new creation where the very new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven to the new earth and oh, what a glorious day that will be. The kingdom of God, that's the good news. Where everything will be made right, where every tear will be wiped away, where every wrong will be corrected, where every sickness will be healed, where every brokenness will be bound up. That is the kingdom of God. 
And it's good news for those who are broken today. This is the gospel that is to shape our lives. It is to shape the way we live. It's to shape our families and our church and our small groups because the world needs good news today. And we are to be shaped by this narrative, this mega narrative that God is speaking and pronouncing and wanting as many as possible to come into. We are to proclaim his good news to all those we meet. Have you said it to anyone lately? Have you spoken life, his gospel, his good news, speaking of his lordship in your life and how you've been changed and how you've been revolutionized because he loved you so much and made you what you could not be on your own? Have you said it to anyone lately? It is the story that we as his followers are to be telling everywhere we go. The gospel, the gospel, may we experience a renewed understanding of the gospel. And may we also experience a spirit renewal so that we don't grow legalistic in what we're sharing, but that we are grace-filled, love-driven, wanting everyone to hear the good news that will shape their lives.